0: It was interesting, yesterday I got a phone call from pastor at about, I, know, I think it was 11 o'clock, around 11 o'clock. And said, would you mind, if it's possible you could preach this morning. I said, yep, i got a uh, message ready to go. And then it was strange that the message is about defending your faith and what we believe in. And I was a little bit stuck because even though I've gone through this message uh, a dozen times, uh, defending your faith is something that we all... Uh, should be able to do and not only do but have confidence in what Jesus Christ has said in his word regarding um, the truths that are implied in it and it's rather uh, look at God's timing with Charmaine leaving that she will be able to go back uh, to defend what she believes because when we are approached by people who want to know what the hope that that is within us that we are able to defend that and Part of that defence is what God says, not what we think, not what we feel, not what we uh, try to to negotiate and bargain with other people or family or friends, but what God says, and it's and it's pure words of God that that solidify everything that we believe about the Scriptures and Himself. So we come here not only to worship God. But we come here to learn of what he says and how we can defend what we know is the truth. Uh, part of my uh, devotion through the week was that in 1964, and in the US, they actually withdrew the Bible from uh, public places and schools. And with agnostics and, and uh, communists and Atheist. if they banned the Bible, banned a book, and it wasn't true, why did they ban it? So they must know something that there's in this book, that it is true, and that we can defend our faith from uh, a lot of angles because uh, it, at this period in time, we're starting to move now into a a time of the gospel of the being under attack. So we're going to look at... Um, the reasons as to why uh, God has done this. We're going to look at also the absurdity of the the probability that Jesus Christ who said what he said he was and who he was and how the absurdity of probability, not of what he said, but of probability. And we're going to look at eight uh, prophecies from the Old Testament alone. And then we're going to look at the gospel back into Genesis 5, which I've i uh preached and taught on before and how in the book of Gen- in Genesis 5 how God has laid out the foundation there of the gospel so how do we defend what we believe in 1 Peter 3:15 it says but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear this hope is not based around something that we might think may happen, but will happen. This hope is pinned on Jesus Christ, what he has done for us while we were yet sinners. Titus one nine says, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. As he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Matthew 16, 13, 17. To 17 says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? noticed what he said. He said, I am the Son of, Son of Man. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremias, or one of the prophets. And listen carefully to what Jesus says. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? and Simon Peter answered and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said unto him blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my father which is in heaven so you see the Lord Jesus Christ himself let not only did his disciples know who he was but later on, you are going to see why he specifically picked out Peter. Now, we are to give a reason as to why we are to defend our faith. Jude three says, "Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful, needful for me to write unto you and exhort that you may sh- that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered." Under the saints. We'll pray in a second, but I thought I'd read this story from um, Rabbi Zacharias, who goes around to universities and contends for the faith because people ask him a lot of questions regarding the Bible and Jesus Christ and what he's done. And so this is done with some type of humor attached to it. However, this is what happens when a story is taken out of context now by the way what I'm about to read is this actually comes from the Bible but you're going to see when bits are taken and put together that it may come across as humorous but it's also what happens when people take the gospel or God's word and confound it once there was a man travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho who fell among the thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked him And as he went down he didn't have any money and he met the Queen of Sheba and she gave him a thousand talents of gold and a thousand changes of raiment and he got into a chariot and drove off furiously and when he was driving under a huge juniper tree his hair got caught on a branch of that juniper tree and he was there many days. The ravens brought him food to eat and drink and he ate 5,000 loaves of bread and two fishes. One night he was hanging there asleep with his wife Delilah came along and cut off his hair, he dropped and fell to the stony ground. He got up and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and he hid himself in a cave and lived on wild locusts and honey. Then he went home until he met a servant. He said, come, take supper from my house. And he made an excuse and said, no, I won't go. I've got a married wife and looking to bury her, I can't go. He travelled on the highways and the byways and was invited to go to supper and after his supper he went and came down to Jericho when he got there and he looked up and he saw the Queen Jezebel way up high in a window and she laughed at him and he said throw her down and they said throw her down again and throw her down again 70 times 7 and the fragments that remained there they picked up 12 baskets besides women and children and they blessed the peacemakers and now whose wife do you think she will be on the judgment day great story but wrong context and that's exactly what's happened to the gospel. So how can we be confident as Christians to know that we can answer the practicing practicing religion, atheists, evolutionists, agnostics, who may want to challenge our faith or the hope that is within us? What's at stake here is who Jesus Christ is. We just read from Matthew 16, a great discourse as to who Jesus Christ was. And he picked out Peter specifically, and you'll see why to, why later on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you that we have a sound doctrine in it. Thank you that we have Jesus Christ, who was foretold in Genesis three, Genesis five, and other parts of the Bible that He would come, and take on the sin, yet knowing not sin. He was righteous. He is eternal. He, will, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We come here to worship Him. We come to worship you, God the Father, for you sending Him, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit, who we worship as well, in showing us these things. May we walk away today having a greater understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what He's done, that we are able to defend what we believe and the hope that we have in you, Jesus Christ. The hope and faith of a resurrection that you Jesus Christ being the first fruits that you will give us this day our daily bread that we continue to walk in your ways and we look to you in times of trouble in times of happiness and a future so glorious it cannot be uttered we give thanks and glory and honour to you in Jesus name we pray Amen now To test the validity of God's word and deeds, we need evidence. Evidence is based on eyewitnesses. And there's four ways you can test this eyewitness. Number one, were they present? The Gospels were written in a time frame that fits the narrative of Acts, the Pauline epistles, and the rest of the New Testament. Luke 1 to 1 2 says, For as much as many have taken in hand and set forth in order a declaration of things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, watch carefully and listen to these words, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word. John 1 1 to 1 8 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So it puts straight away that says that Jesus Christ is eternal. And that from his mouth were the words that formed the world. John 1, 6 to 8 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Not John, but Jesus Christ. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Number two, was what they saw recorded and verified? 1 Corinthians 15 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you have also received, and wherein you stand, By which ye are also saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. So you have the witness of the gospel, God's word, and the witnesses. Were they being honest? Number three, did these men and women collude to make up the gospel and to persuade people to become Christians? In 1 Corinthians 15 12 to 22, it says, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no re- resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith also in vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead not rise, the ro- dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, yet ye, ye, ye yet in your sins then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are all men most miserable but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept for since by man came death by man also came the resurrection of the dead for as adam For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made alive. The resurrection is a very important point of salvation because without that you don't have salvation. We have the payment of sin, that's correct. But as proof positive that God the Father put his seal of approval on Christ that he raised him from the dead, just as the scriptures said it would happen. Number four. Were they biased? Usually in a biased situation, this goes to the motivation of a crime. It doesn't matter what it is. There are, three, there are three motivations for gain. Number one, money. Did these witnesses gain a financial benefit from their testimony? Most definitely not. In fact, many were cut off from their families and friends and work contacts. Just as it was in first century Judea, Once you became a Christian, and that is believing and identifying as a follower of Jesus Christ, you became a persona non grata, which basically means you are unacceptable or unwelcome. Did any of these eyewitnesses do this to impress others? The short answer is no. Now, the last motivating factor in all this was power. It is the ultimate motivation. John 15:18 to says if the world hate you ye know that it hated me before it hated you and if you are of the world the world loves his own but because you are not of the world but I have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you what influence does biblical christianity have in this world We see that Christ came and blew apart religion. Religion's been going on since Genesis 4, where you had Cain and Abel, where Adam would have told both of them, this is what the Lord wants. He wants a blood sacrifice. He cursed the ground. So what did Cain do? Cain brought forth the fruits of his labor, which come from a cursed ground. Abel, on the other hand, brought forth a blood sacrifice. And if you look at the world today, the world in religion tries to bring those fruits from the ground, the cursed ground, to God, but God only accepts a blood sacrifice. So what happened? Cain slew his brother Abel. And what's happening today? We have religious people slaying the truth. Don't be surprised when, if you share the gospel or you talk about God, the conversation comes up that many people have a varying degree of what or who God is. As I said, if this book is a book of fairy tales, why is it banned? Why is it banned in countries? It seems to me that the very thing that they tried to hide is the very truth they don't want to face, they don't want to accept. If you read uh, Fox's book of martyrs and tell me that the power was the motivated factor in spreading the gospel, it actually got them killed. These apostles, including Paul, would not not have died a martyr's death if this evidence was based around heresy and rumour. Before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, these men were followers of Christ, but not till death. However, when it came to the crunch, they scattered. Matthew 26.31 says, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Pastor David Cloud, in his book about the Bible's proofs, he says, We must not forget exactly what the early Christians suffered for their testimony, that Christ had risen from the dead. They were denounced by family and friends, they hated and considered the enemies of the society, tortured, kept in years of dark, rat-infested cells, their property confiscated, they themselves were crucified, burned alive, torn apart by wild beasts, chopped into pieces, roasted on racks, their tongues torn out, their eyes pulled out. They also had to endure the torture of death, And death of a family member. If that is not the truth, then why did they die for it? Now the event that gave them the most boldness was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter denied Christ three times. He was ashamed of Christ. He being Peter was denying of those people who questioned him that he knew him not. They look at Jesus Christ The look that Jesus Christ must have gave Peter literally crushed him in his heart. For he wept bitterly. Now, please take your Bibles and turn to Acts 1, 15-17. And you're going to see what the Holy Spirit, what God does through a man. Now, you've got to remember, only two months before... that Peter denied Christ. And 2 months later, watch this. Acts 1:15 to 17. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was the guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. Peter stood up. And said, this is what's happened. We witnessed it. Acts 3, 1 to 10. I won't read all of 10 to 10. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here you have a beggar who's not been able to walk since birth, Who, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple and ask alms. And Peter, fastening uh, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, But such as I have, give I thee. Look at what it says. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up. Not two months before had Peter denied his Lord. Look at what God had done through this man who was weak in the flesh, but mighty in the spirit. After being blessed with the Holy Spirit, Romans five six to twelve reads. Now we're moving into the prophecies of Jesus Christ. Here's another witness and defence of our faith. So we've just seen from God's Word these things that the witnesses of this this hope. See, Satan tries to cut it off and kill it. But each time he does, it actually grows. If you look at the church in the Middle East at at the moment, it's growing. We don't hear about it because you don't hear about it from Western media or mainstream media. But I want to put in remembrance to you that we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Lord in those countries and here as well. Never to neglect that. But we're so blessed. We can come here without persecution or fear of anyone standing at that door with a gun or this church being burnt down. We live in a country that is so blessed. But the time's coming when we mightn't be able to do this. And it's very important that we can defend our faith through God's word because how are people going to know? And if you think... Seriously, if someone hadn't told us about the gospel and about Jesus Christ, where would we be today? pastor talked about this the other week. Where would we be today if we didn't hear the gospel, if we didn't hear God's word preached? It's scary to think because we know that the righteousness of God is what has to clothe us. Our hearts have to be attuned to him. And it's him reaching down, not us reaching up. It's never, never us reaching up. It's always God reaching down. Romans 5, 6 to 12 reads, For when we are without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than now being just being now justified by his blood not ours his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him for if when we are where enemies were reconciled to god by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so but we also joy in god through our lord jesus christ by whom we have now received the atonement wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and by death, by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So we have this evidence of this prophecy, of these prophecies that came. We have a more sure word of prophecy. This is from 2 Peter 1.19. Where unto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts so the Hebrew scriptures were translated 270 BC before Jesus Christ was born now there's over 300 prophecies detailing the coming Messiah now you're going to see the absurdity that this cannot be talking about anyone else but Jesus Christ now I'm going to take eight I'll take eight prophecies 1, one Micah 5.2 that Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem Zechariah 9, nine, the king on a donkey. Now, this one, out of all of them, is peculiar. Because God, that actually happened to the day that that was written. It happened to the day it was written. Not a week, it wasn't out by a week, it was to the day. Zechariah 11.13, the temple potter. You have the 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah thirteen six, how he was to die and where. Isaiah fifty three seven, no defence in the innocent. Isaiah fifty three nine, he died with the wicked; he died in a, he was put in a rich man's tomb. Psalm twenty two, he was crucified. Now, let's say, for instance, we had a hundred people in this room. I'm going to give you a math lesson now. We have a hundred people in this room. We have sixty male and forty female. And if we blindfolded someone and went and picked a female, it would be 40%. 40% chance. And then if we went the other way and we looked at left-handed and right-handed, it's 90% of people are right-handed and 10% of people are left-handed, it multiplies on. So with just these eight eight prophecies of Christ is 1 to the power of 28. It's a big number. Okay. Let's just say this. Let's say I got a red, I marked a red $1 coin and put it throughout all of New South Wales, 50 centimetres high. I buried it somewhere in that stack. That's the chance of Jesus Christ, not sorry, the probability that someone would go blindfold and pick that coin out so it shows you points directly to Christ and by the way that's eight there was over 300 prophecies of the Lord 300 so how are we to let others know to do this we don't bash people people often when I've talked to people about the gospel they've got upset you're a god-botherer you're gonna Bible bash me no We as Christians have to understand that we have a message. It's a message. So therefore, we are to give that message. But it's to be done with meekness and fear. It's not to be done in the flesh. Because when it starts happening in the flesh, and this is what happens, is that people get upset. They become emotional. Now, That can be a response to the gospel. It can also be the person delivering it. And family and friends, we want our family and friends to to come to know Christ as Lord and Saviour. But we have to, it has to be done in the proper manner and spirit. Hence, the, the way it's to be done is to be done through letting the Holy Spirit do its work. We are not to argue. We are to present facts. I've given you two facts. I've just told you about the eyewitness accounts and I've just told you about the probability of Christ being who he is. So if people, you can present that and they can still not accept it. They might not want to accept it. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 5. Now, you can we can tick these names off as we go through. Now, you'll see how the Holy Spirit has written this written these numbers. Sorry, written these words. And I've mentioned it before. And it talks about Adam's family record. Here you'll find the gospel. And I'm stunned, amazed every time I learn something new about God, that every place name, every name, every number is there by design. It is not there by pure luck. It can't be. Evolution says that these things happen randomly and this is what we have. But it'd be like saying that you just hold a book out with blank pages and not... From the sky, all the ink came down and just fell into, the, into its spot and produces that. And it doesn't. It's designed. It's been created that way. Genesis 5 gives us the gospel in the ten generation names it reads. Now, it, Now, pay attention to the names because each name means something. Number one, you see Adam. Number two is Seth. Number three is Enos. Number four, Canaan. Number five, Mahalaleel. Number six, Jared. Number seven, Enoch. Number eight, Methuselah. Number nine, Lamech. Number ten, Noah. Now, does anyone here know what those names mean? Anyone? Hopefully this will blow your socks off because only God could plan this and you think about the fact that if you could choose if these parents could have chosen any name for their children but they chose these specific names Adam means man Seth means appointed Enos means mortal Canaan means sorrow Mahalaleel means blessed of God Jared means shall come down Enoch means teaching Methuselah means his death shall bring Lamech means the despairing and Noah means rest or comfort Watch this Man is appointed mortal sorrow but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest Here you have in Genesis 5, the gospel in ten generations of the names. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We take the scriptures, the eyewitness accounts of those who are there, the probability The gospel and accept them not only as truth, but it's settled in our hearts, in heaven, and with God Himself. How can we even comprehend how great God is? Anyone present or watching this, you've been given proof beyond a shadow of a doubt as to who Jesus Christ is, what He has done, and that He is returning. We are without excuse as the one who bore your sins in his body, was buried and resurrected on the third day, so you will not have to be punished for your sins. Jesus Christ took that punishment so you don't have to. Repentance towards a holy God, a change of mind regarding your sin. You, by your sin, have offended a holy God. You must change your mind about who God is and allow God's will for your life to be born again and blossom and grow. There has to be a payment made for the offence and the only thing God demands is perfection and the shedding of blood. Hence the sacrifice of Jesus Christ made on the cross for you was not for himself, for he was sinless. Acts 20.21 says, Testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin, look to the risen Saviour and accept Him as your Lord and Saviour. To the believer, the one who has found his old way of living and placed their, has turned from their old way of living and placed their trust in Jesus Christ, I've given you three defences of the gospel. We have the eyewitness account, the chance and probability of Jesus Christ being Messiah and the gospel itself written in Genesis 5. It should not only strengthen your faith, but it gives you arrows to shoot down any barrier or defense to someone else who tries to dispel the truths of God's word. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool in his heart has said there is no God. John twenty twenty six to twenty nine reads, And after eight days again his disciples were within. Now, a lot of people have a problem with this, especially Muslims. Muslims say, Tell us where God says that he is the Son of God and that he is to be worshipped. God says we are to have we are to worship God alone. And Jesus Christ would not allow this to happen if he was not God. John twenty twenty seven says, then saith he to Thomas, oh sorry, and Thomas with them, back to twenty six, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, so he's appeared to them, and he stood in the middle of them and said, peace be unto you. Then he saith to Thomas, because Thomas said, I will not believe unless I can physically put my finger in the wounds that were that were, um, were in Jesus Christ. And he says to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And look at what it says. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. So here's Jesus Christ accepting worship. Jesus saith unto him Thomas because thou hast seen me thou hast believed blessed are they that have not seen and have and yet have believed and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that believing ye might have life through his name this is not ever meant to be a motivational sermon it's not meant to be written to say what you this is the truth this is what I believe this is what we do believe but more importantly, it's about what God says. It's not based around opinion. And if we look at what's happened to education, we have a look at recently a vote. We have a thing called a consensus where the group decides what's right. This is an absolute. It's right or it's wrong. It's an absolute and Jesus Christ deals with absolutes. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're either going to heaven or you're not going to heaven. It's simple. The gospel's simple. Titus two eleven fifteen reads: For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly lust, ungodly and worldly lust, we should live sober, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. This from David Stewart, and Jesus is precious. Upon the acceptance of God's plan, God imputes to man the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ and God, who cannot fellowship with unrighteousness. He sees man clothed in righteousness of His dear Son. Romans ten four, ten one to four says, "Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved." And just like Israel, we have family and friends who want to be saved. We want to see them saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Man cannot earn that righteousness for we have sinned. The only hope he has for righteousness is to receive the righteousness of Christ purchased for him on Calvary man has a choice he either trusts in his own righteousness and spend eternity in hell or he trusts the righteousness of Christ which in response to his faith will be imputed to him this is called imputation Satan is accuser of the brethren and I'm only using this from my head But it says, Satan, the accuser, may come to God and say, did you see that sin that John Stead committed? God says, yes, I did. Satan then says, we'll impute it to him. And God says, I will not. Satan says, why? And God said, it has already been imputed. It has been placed on the record of my son and I will not impute sin to those who are in Christ. In review, we see that sin has occurred, sin's recorded, Jesus became that sin, Jesus paid for that sin. Man man believes it's true, man receives Christ and his payment for sin. Calvary is made valid, man's sins are removed. Man is justified in the sight of God, and God will impute no sin to him. May God bless you with these truths, strengthen your faith, understand a minute part of God's awesomeness, but most of all, may it bring him glory, and so rightfully due to him. In this world, we see the world praising its own, praising man, praising what man does. But man, as God says is not the be-all and end-all of what this place is about. The be-all and end-all is Christ, Jesus Christ. It is God the Father. It is the Holy Spirit. And so our focus should always be upon Jesus Christ. Our focus should be upon God the Father. and focus upon the Holy Spirit. Because it's very easy to get pulled down and knocked around but we don't ever look to ourselves we look to Christ we look to what he has done what he continues to do and what he will do Satan accuser may come and accuse us of doing so wrong but Christ says I will not we live in a world that is not a playground it's a battleground it's a battleground for souls Yes, we are to enjoy our family and our friends. We are to enjoy the relationship we have with Christ. But we are also to remember and never forget that there is a day coming that we will stand before God and give an account. We have to give an account of what we have done. It can be rather scary to realize and understand that, but God also knows our frame. He knows who we are. I mean, he knows what we've done beforehand before it's even happened. And it was rather strange that when Pastor rang me yesterday and said, have you got a message? Are you ready to go? I said, I'm always ready to go. But right then and there, Satan came in and said, look at what you've done this last week. But as you, as you see, this is not my words. These are what God has written. This is what God says. That's what he continually says, what he continually does. So I hope this has reinforced your faith. I hope it's something that we can let others know of. And we have worldviews that says that Christ doesn't exist it's all fables and fairy tales it's all make believe but to a Christian it's everything that we are and everything we have because of Christ it is a truth it is an absolute truth Dean Gotcher who has put together a brilliant series on authority in research talks about the consensus ideal even if every single one of us walked out of this church and never came back and said no this is all this is not truth it's still the truth let man be a liar and let god be the truth but we know that god has given us so much that we are in return to send the message let a dying world of know of Christ, what he has done. Because as I said, they have to stand before God and give an account. So whether you're handing out a tract, letting God know or letting people know of the Saviour Jesus Christ and letting them know that there is a God and there is a judgment... Judgments occurred 2,000 years ago for sin. But there's also a judgment coming where he's going to judge the world. He's going to judge people individually. And how bad is it going to get before Christ returns? I was talking to my brother last night and we were talking about Lot. Here were these angels in Lot's house. And these men... Perverted men were bashing the door down to get to them with lust in their heart. Lot turned around and said, I'll give you, I'll give you my two daughters. Do not touch these men. And what did they want? They still bashed the, tried to bash the door down to get to these men. So how bad is it going to get in this world when we have every perversion being promoted be on guard let others know because there's going to be a day when Christ is going to return and it's not going to be pretty the truth lies with the message that we have that we give to others to let them know of a saviour so how do we know that there is a saviour how do we know that there is God who is there if you took away everything from the bible You still have God because we have the witness in us.